This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at chabacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Ah, everybody i hope you are getting ready for a fabulous holiday weekend i reflect on thanksgiving but first i want to tell you that we are brought to you in part by new works plumbing of sacramento locally owned for over 20 years new works has a fix for you for your plumbing needs and repairs just go to newworksplumbing.com n-e-w wrxplumbing.com remember they're available around the clock 24 7 an emergency in the middle of the night no problem new works will be there just go to newworksplumbing.com n-e-w-w-r-x-plumbing.com new works plumbing they've got a fix for you two days before thanksgiving I hope that uh, each and every one of you has an opportunity to spend time with your loved ones and maybe uh, get off work and just enjoy and be grateful and thankful for what you have. For many of us, we sometimes overlook, I think, things of that nature. We take certain things for granted, but Thanksgiving is always a good time uh, to reflect. You know, over the last several years and on my radio show for what, 26 years, you know, I used to I used to share my background. I used to share what it was like growing up on Long Island. I used to share my experiences and some of my uh, great stories. But when I reflect back on Thanksgiving, in terms of being a sports fan, I always remember waking up and again, you know, growing up Long Island, um, very modest house, middle-income neighborhood. My dad was an insurance broker. Uh, My dad never drove a nice car, never wore nice clothes. Uh, The only thing he did for himself was pay money to play at an outdoor tennis club in the summers in Huntington, New York. They had six hard true courts, and my dad used to be up there all day Saturday, all day Sunday in the summer, Uh, on daylight savings time when he got home from work around 5.30 he would get out of his suit put on his tennis clothes and he'd get up there and be able to play for an hour an hour and a half before it got dark because there were no lights at the tennis courts uh, in Huntington outdoors and my dad's really best friends in life outside of college belonged to the club Uh, Christopher Mad Dog Russo's mom Molly uh, 
used to be at the club all the time playing tennis and used to talk to her, you know, every time I was up there. Uh, so many great people that were part of my dad's life. And my dad really lived for that when he was not working. But my dad also was the cook in our household because my mom was uh, taking care of my sister pretty much around the clock with others. And my dad enjoyed cooking. And my dad used to make the best desserts, really. I mean, first of all, he made everything. But my dad's desserts, you know, people in our neighborhood, they used to die for it. They really did. My dad's cakes and, you know, baked goods and everything. I mean, it was absolutely incredible. But anyway, Thanksgiving morning, I always, 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 always remember waking up to the smell of the turkey in the oven and my dad being in the kitchen and preparing Thanksgiving meal for everyone. And the lions, 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 the lions. You know, every single Thanksgiving, you know, waking up and, you know, having to watch the Detroit Lions who were pathetic almost uh, every single year. And then I remember when I went to college, I was announcing a hockey tournament in uh, St. Lawrence, New York. And Thanksgiving Day, I was in a hotel in frigid Chile, St. Lawrence, and the Giants were playing the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving Day. And that was the game where Lawrence Taylor uh, picked off the pass and ran 98 or 99 yards for the touchdown. Danielson looking outside. He broke. Picked off by Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor down the sideline. Don't think he can't run. Lawrence Taylor's going to go and burn them all. 97-yard touchdown interception by Lawrence Taylor. Well, 1982, Thanksgiving Day. Again, I was getting ready to announce a college hockey tournament. You know, when you think about Thanksgiving and you think about football, uh, for me, it was just part of my life. Thanksgiving was, you're going to watch football, and back then there was two games. Now there's three games. But you knew you were going to watch the Lions followed by the Cowboys, and you weren't going to miss a play. All right? And my dad made sure that when we ate, Either the games were over or we had just decided that we were going to eat and watch the games. So it was never like, okay, we need to turn the TV off because dinner is ready. Uh-uh. That didn't happen in the Napier household. We watched the games while we ate or my dad made sure that the food was ready uh, after the second game. That's the way it always worked. But, you know, when you think about football on Thanksgiving Day, who could ever forget what happened in Dallas on a snowy day Cowboys, Miami Dolphins, and Leon Lett. Doug Peterson to hold. Blocked. The Cowboys will win. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Someone touches the football here. Watch what happens. It's Leon Lett. No! Oh, Lett, who is haunted by a Super Bowl misplay. 19 yards. He makes it. Miami goes home with a miracle win. The Dolphins pull it out. 16-14. Game over. Well, who would ever forget that? Don Shula coaching against Jimmy Johnson. Leon Lett, the biggest uh, embarrassment maybe in the history 
of the National Football League, and that is saying something. You know, Thanksgiving to me, I, I gave thanks that I grew up in a, in a family where my dad made sure that, you know, we were outside playing, we were participating in sports, we were watching sports. We would always, during the Giants games when they were on the road, if we weren't at Chase Stadium at the Jets games, during halftime, we'd always throw the football around. Thursday, Thanksgiving Day was NFL. Friday was always Oklahoma, Nebraska. That always stood out to me on the day after Thanksgiving. And I really miss some of the great college football rivalries uh, that were a part of my life uh, growing up. But when I was watching those games, uh, particularly early on in the 60s and the 70s before I left really home for good. Again, I talked about the Thanksgiving Day in 1982 when I was in uh, upstate New York for the uh, hockey tournament watching Lawrence Taylor. And I think everyone at the hotel that I was staying at could hear me. Uh, I was screaming like a madman. But never in my wildest dreams uh, did I think that I would be a part of so many great moments as an announcer. And I'm so grateful for the experiences that I've had, both as an announcer and as a fan. I've shared with many of you my philosophy when it comes to sports talk radio. And I believe that if you don't involve the fans, then you're wasting your time because you're a fan and I'm a fan. The reason why we watch sports is because we are fans. Now, I understand there is a gambling component of it now, which didn't exist when I was growing up like it does now. I mean, there were illegal bookies and everything, but I think you get the point that I'm trying to make. For the most part, it's our love of sports. We watch the games, whether you're a Kings fan, whether you are a 49ers fan, a Raiders fan, whatever the case may be. You watch the games because you love your team. You feel like you identify with the team. And I still, to this day, am a diehard New York Giants fan. Diehard. You know, I watch all the games as hard as it is right now, but it's always been a part of my life beginning in 1962. Going to Yankee Stadium, listening to Bob Shepard introduce the Giants. Robert Merrill singing the national anthem. Eddie Layton on the organ. Like, that, that was just part of my life growing up. And, you know, we always used to dream. And I think that if you're listening right now and you're – not yet through college and you haven't started your career. And if you want to become a broadcaster, you're probably dreaming the same way I used to dream and fantasize about, you know, being in the big moments. You know, we always did that on the playground, right? When we played, we always made believe that, you know, when we were playing, you know, pickup football, you know, it was the, the last play or you were in basketball and you were down by a point and you had the final possession. And, you know, you always used to fantasize about that, whatever the sport was. I know I did. I know all of my friends did. But, you know, I'm so thankful that I grew up in a sports household where my dad played college football, he played college lacrosse. Uh, my dad worked very hard. My dad very rarely took days off. My dad took the train into the city every day. You know, from the time he left his house until the time he walked into his office, it was roughly 90 minutes, all right? You know, you get down to the train station, you park your car, then you, you know, get on the train. It's an hour into Manhattan. Then you get on the subway. And by the time you're in your office, 90 minutes have passed. And it is the same thing on the way home. And my dad did that every day, Monday through Friday, and was such an amazing figure for me to 
emulate because he was more than a provider for the family. He did so much, and he was so involved in charities, and he was so involved with the church, and I can just go on and on. I mean, he was an amazing man, and I'm grateful that I grew up with a parent, not to discount my mother, by the way, but I didn't have a close relationship with my mom, and my mom was, you know, always working, you know, with my sister, and that was a toll, and then, you know, my parents divorced when I was in ninth grade, but my dad, the relationship I had my with dad and the bond that we had uh, with sports was amazing, and I always talk about being a sports fan, right, and my philosophy, and I know I'm kind of going around and around here, but I, I'm going to bring it back to a central point. Thanksgiving is a day to kind of reflect on what you're thankful for. And I'm thankful that for all those years growing up in the 60s and the 70s that my dad shared with me, taking me to Yankee Stadium, Shea Stadium, taking me to college games, taking me to his alma mater at Union College to go to Union football games, Union basketball games. And again, that was a four-hour drive from where we lived. And, you know, we didn't do it a lot, but on the weekends very often we'd go up to Schenectady where his best friend Frank Terramina lived and his college roommate. And it was always fun. It was always a great thrill of my life going up to Schenectady, New York and going to Union College. But when I got into this business, professionally speaking, and started doing the Kings in 1988 uh, as part of the agreement with the Sacramento Kings. We were provided, once we started flying private, two seats. So on every flight, the TV station could use uh, two seats on the plane for you know customers. When I mean customers, I'm talking about clients, whatever the case may be. And I'll never forget... In 1989, um, the TV station allowed me to have my father take one of the seats on the airplane. And I remember we had a two-game road trip to Portland and then again to L.A. to play the Lakers. And I'll never forget what a thrill that was for my dad to go on the team plane and to get him up to Portland and experience that And I'll never forget when we flew to Los Angeles after the Blazers game, the next day, it was a weekend, and we always used to go to Gladstones because a lot of the times we used to stay in uh, Marina del Rey. That's where the hotel was. And so we would go to Gladstones and eat outside. And if you've, you've been to Gladstones, you know what I'm talking about. And I'll never forget taking my dad and our producer, Lou Raynoni, Lou, I told you, worked for many years with the Cincinnati Reds as the producer for all of their games in the 70s during the Big Red Machine. And I'll never forget, I remember it like it was yesterday, sitting outside on a 75-degree day in Malibu, having lunch at Gladstones, not a cloud in the sky, getting ready to do the Lakers game that night, and Lou Raynoni sharing all the stories with my dad about being around Pete Rose and Johnny Bench and Tony Perez, and Concepcion, and Sparky Anderson. And we sat there for two hours because Lou had to always go to the games early to get everything done. But that was one of the the great moments that I was able to share with my dad and give back. And then, of course, the first trip that we made to Boston and New York to be able to take my dad to the floor at Madison Square Garden, have a, a press credential issued for him, 
take him into the media room, meet Marv Albert, and meet Walt Frazier, and some of the other great people that I grew up watching that my dad as a sports fan idolized was incredible. Willis Reed, assistant coach with the Kings, and I'll never forget introducing my dad to Willis, and Willis could not have been nicer. Willis was and is just a a phenomenal human being. And then two nights later, going up to the Boston Garden, same thing, having my dad join me and remember taking pictures with my dad at the logo at center court on the old parquet at the Boston Garden. I'm so thankful that I was able to grow up in an environment where we were at games very often or I was playing games. By the way, my dad never, ever, 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 ever missed any game I ever played in. Not one time do I ever remember playing in a game, whether it was junior high school or high school, and I played in junior high school. I played football, basketball, and lacrosse. And then when I got to ninth grade, which was still junior high school, it was seventh, eighth, and ninth, I only played football and lacrosse because I was really good at lacrosse, and I gave up basketball to practice lacrosse for the basketball months. And then junior high school, on the high school, where I played football all three years and lacrosse, and not once, not one time, did my dad ever miss a game that I played in. And I remember him walking across the field in his suit, getting off the train early, to be able to watch my game that started at 4 o'clock. And my dad would get there right about 3.59 because, you know, that's just the way it was. And my dad, I don't ever recall my dad being late. And not one time do I ever recall my dad not being at the game. Not one time. Not one time. And for me to be able to share that, I'm so thankful that as I get to this Thanksgiving and now my boys are grown and I've been able to share being at a Super Bowl with them and being able to share their moments. And one thing I was not able to do for my kids that my dad always did for me because of my occupation, I missed a lot of my kids' games. I missed a lot of my kids' events. And that's the hardest thing about my profession. You know, we go on the road. I celebrated more anniversaries with Jerry Reynolds on his anniversary of December 23rd than his wife did. We always had a game on December 23rd, and it was almost always on the road. I can't begin to tell you how many times we on TV would wish Jerry and his wife Dodie a happy anniversary. And Jerry would, you know, make comments to his wife over television. Almost every single year we had a game on December 23rd. Almost every single January 29th, Jerry's birthday, we were on the road. Seemed like we were always on the road last week of January. Jerry's birthday, every year. You know, Jerry, happy birthday, blah, blah, blah. And I here we are on the road celebrating your birthday again. I don't ever recall Jerry, I don't, I mean this, I don't ever recall not being with Jerry Reynolds on his birthday instead of his family. And that's just the way it was. You know, that's the way it was. Fortunately, I never missed any of my kids' birthdays because they were born in June and September, respectively. And so I was always home for my boys' birthdays. But I was not home a lot for their games. I missed a lot of their games growing up, and that killed me. I'm so thankful for my sports background. I'm thankful for not only being a sportscaster, but I'm thankful for being a diehard fan even in my 60s. You know, I haven't lost my love for watching sports and rooting for my Giants, even though they suck. 
I've been very open about the Kings. You know, it's different for me now. You know, it's not life and death like it was before. And I'm obviously being a little cynical. It was never life and death. But I treated it like that many times. You know, my wife would tell me, you can't take the games home. I go, I know, I can't help it. I used to take the games home with me after playoff losses. And, you know, because it was who I was. It was a fabric of my being. It's not like that anymore. I, I, I root for you. You know, I root for the fans. I root for the fans to experience what I've had a chance to experience in so many years growing up. And I've been so fortunate and so blessed to meet so many great people and be part of so many experiences. You know, if you told me as a kid, being at Yankee Stadium on all those Sundays watching the Giants or watching Mickey Mantle play or watching Joe Namath play at Shea Stadium or watching... Johnny Unitas play, and I can Jim Brown play at Yankee Stadium when the Browns came in. Roger Staubach, Calvin Hill, Bob Hayes, right? I can go John Riggins, you know, Bubba Smith. You know, I can go on and on, all right? I can go right on down the list. If you had told me during those days that I would experience standing on the sideline of a championship game involving the New York Giants, I, I wouldn't have believed you, but I was. 1990, underneath the goalpost, when Matt Barr's game-winning kick sent the Giants to the Super Bowl against Buffalo in Tampa. If you had told me that I would experience being on the infield of a World Series clincher, which I was when the Dodgers beat the A's in the late 80s, and Oral Hershiser was unbelievable. Couldn't be touched that game. And I had a press pass, and I was standing near the, uh, the Dodgers' dugout during the final out. And I saw some members of the media go on to the field, and I'm like, well, I'm going on the field too. And I'm on the infield celebrating, not celebrating, but I wasn't a Dodgers fan, but watching a celebration. And I went to college with Oral Hershiser, and I was literally 10 feet or less from Oral when they go, Oral, now that you've won the World Series, where are you going now? I'm going to Disneyland. And I'll tell you who else was great in that World Series with Mickey Hatcher. That was the Gibby World Series. But Mickey Hatcher... Had it not been for Oral Hershiser, would have been the MVP of that World Series. And I got to know Mickey through a friend. And Mickey and I now are very good friends. I've had him on the podcast. I've played golf with him. And he has shared the stories of hanging around Tommy Lasorda. And, you know, I can go on and on. Steve Sachs, you know, I've got to know Sachsy very well. And But that was so neat to be on the infield and just experience that. I mean, how many people get to be on the infield of a World Series champion in the middle of their celebration. How many people get to be standing on the field watching their favorite team win an NFC championship and then be able to be on the field in the celebration with the players? You know, I've been blessed being at the New York Rangers when they won playoff series and celebrating with them in the locker room. You know, my my favorite team. I mean, tending bar at the pub in Rye, New York for an entire weekend. You know, I didn't 10 bar the whole weekend, but I did that Saturday night with all the New York Rangers there at the bar. I mean, I've experienced some unbelievable things, and I'm so thankful for the experiences that I've had along the way. Being at the Super Bowl, January 25th, 1987, you know, making pennies a year and being able to sell my one ticket, my extra one ticket for $750 when the face value was 75. I mean, but, but being at that game, being at the Rose Bowl, being there by myself in the stands 
you know, with my New York Giants shirt and hat on and watching the Giants win their first Super Bowl and Phil Simms, 22 of 25, and the Giants winning 39 to 20, and I, I can go on and on. Like, I'm so thankful that I was able to experience that. I was so thankful I was able to take my kids to the Super Bowl in Indianapolis when the Giants beat the Patriots for the second time. I'm so thankful that I was able to be at Madison Square Garden as a fan again when the Rangers won the Cup in 1994 and Mark Messier's guarantee. I never had a chance to be at any of the New York Knicks big games because you just couldn't get tickets to go see the Knicks. I, 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 I missed out on that. You know, Willis Reed running out of the tunnel you know, in 1970, the 69-70 season. I wasn't at the game. I know there were hundreds of thousands of people that said they were at the game that night. Well, only 19,000 could get into the garden, so I, I don't know if that's true. But I, I never said that. I was never at the game. You know, I'll never forget having Steve Albert on my podcast. Steve was the voice, longtime voice of NBA teams. He was also does a phenomenal job on boxing and did many, 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 many of the championship fights that we all used to watch on HBO and pay-per-view. And, you know, we had a great conversation talking about that. But Steve talks about being on the campus of Kent State uh, during their shootings uh, that year. And he left, got in his car and left campus and drove home. And Steve had been a ball boy in the past with the Knicks. And for that game seven, all right, that game seven of the Knicks and the Lakers, when Willis Reed ran out of the tunnel, they let Steve be involved with the team that game. And Steve is sitting at the end of the Knicks bench and was on the floor that night when Willis Reed ran out of the tunnel. And he talks about it on a podcast that I did with him some two years ago. Fascinating stories from Steve Albert. Again, for me to be able to relive those moments through others. You know, I shared my experience of being at home and watching that great moment on TV. I remember, you know, cutting school one day as a senior to go watch the Yankees play the Kansas City Royals. And I've shared this story with you before. You know, I was uh, I only played defense. I was the defensive lineman. Some days was offensive practices. Some days were defensive practices. And my buddy Gary McTagg said, uh, Napes, we're going to the game. I go, I can't go to the game. You know, it was a matinee game. I think the game started at 3 in the afternoon. I said, I can't go to the game. I got football practice. I go, all right, let me check. Hang on a minute. And we had an open campus at Syosset High School. When you, If you didn't have classes, you could leave the school. And, you know, it was perfectly fine. Well, I did a little bit more that day. I, I, I didn't go to school. But even my dad understood that. But the, the football team that day, I found out – I went and looked at the practice. Every every morning, they would have a sheet up outside of the locker room about what practice was going to entail. And I remember walking up that day, because I did go to school in the morning. I did We did go to school for a period of time in the morning, and it was an offensive day. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to leave. And I believe, I believe I even asked the head football coach, I believe I did, whose name was John Miller, one of the great men – I've ever been around in my entire life. I believe I actually asked him, and he knew what a schizo Yankees fan I was, and I think he gave me permission, all right? I I wouldn't swear on my life, but I believe he did. But anyway, the defensive line coach, his name was Fred Dijon. We called him DJ. Big, kind of like a bear-type figure, all right? Bear, I mean looking like a bear, all right? Uh, Big, raspy voice, great guy, DJ. Phenomenal guy. Anyway... I go to the Yankee game that day with my buddy Gary McTake, 
And I come into school the next day and go to my locker because we, we had one locker and that's where all my football equipment was and books and everything else. And my locker is empty. So the, the, the team played a trick on me. Uh, they said, hey, you, you know, you're, you, cut, you cut school and you cut football practice, you're off the team. And they had cleared out my locker. And I was so scared. You know, I, I'm not kidding you. I was so scared. You know, I'm a senior. This is my big year. I was really good defensive lineman. And, but they got me good that day, boy. They played a big-time prank on me. I was on the field later that day. But that, that was something I'll never forget. But I've had so many uh, phenomenal experiences that I always circle around my dad. And I give thanks that I could experience that growing up. And I give thanks that I was able then have my father experience what I experienced through his eyes, right? And then I was able to take him from a fan and have him be almost part of the team. And my dad, when we got NBA, when League Pass became a thing, my dad watched every single Kings game. And I always tell the story at my dad's memorial on December 2nd, all right, of 2007. My dad passed on November 2nd of 2007. We were playing the Spurs that night. And I had gone to a movie that afternoon in San Antonio, and I was walking back to the hotel, and it was about 3.45, and my brother called. And I could tell something was not good right away, and he told me that that had passed. And the game starts at 7 o'clock, and I remember being numb like any of us that have lost a loved one, a parent. And I remember first thing I did when I got back to the room is I called Craig Amazine, uh, the director of broadcasting. And I said, Craig, this is what happened. Uh, I'm going to really try to do this game tonight because that would be what my dad would have wanted. But I'm not, I don't, I don't want to do the pregame because we always used to do pregame hits and everything. I said, I just want to concentrate on the game. He said, Napes, are you sure I can get G-Man to simulcast the game? I said, you know, no, I, I'm going to do the game because that's what my dad would have wanted. But I, I don't think I'm in the frame of mind to do anything other than just a game. And that's what I did. And I'll never forget this. Uh, that night, the Kings got blown out and uh, we had 29 points at the half. And at my dad's memorial service on December 2nd, I tell the story about how they found my dad uh, on the couch with ESPN on. They found him in the middle of the afternoon. And I said at my dad's memorial service, I said, for those of you that you know don't know, my dad used to watch all of the games that I broadcast with the uh, Sacramento Kings. And uh, for those of you that don't know, my dad uh, was found on November 2nd uh, in the afternoon and ESPN was on the TV uh, when they found my dad. And I said, you know, I'm grateful that they didn't find my dad either during the Kings game or right after the Kings game because I would have had to live with the guilt that the team I announced for killed my dad with the horrible first half of only 29 points. So I did tell that story and I uh, did get quite a chuckle. And I wish my dad could have heard that because my dad would have laughed his ass off because he would have he would have found that to be as humorous as anybody else in the audience that day. But I wanted to reflect back on what I really was uh, and am thankful for that I grew up in such an amazing sports environment, but then I was able to pay it back to my father and my kids. My kids don't realize that that's all they've known being around professional sports. 
I mean, all the Kings used to treat them like gold. I was able to take my son Trent on the road for two games when he was six years old. I mean, he's on the Kings airplane when he was six. Both Trent and Chase have been with me to numerous road games. They've been, you know, in the locker room. They've been on the court. They've been ball boys. You know, they, they, they experience what many of us dreamt of experiencing as kids but we could never get on the field or on the court. So uh, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. On Friday, um, I'll share some more memories that I'm thankful for and that I've had a chance to experience throughout my career. But happy Thanksgiving. I hope you have a fabulous day with loved ones. Uh, Stay safe, and we'll talk to you on Friday. Don't forget about our other programming that I have over on YouTube. If you don't like that with Ryan and Sacktown and Jerry Reynolds, Kings got games this week. So we're still going to be coming at you with all of the programming. Nothing changes, but I did want to say happy Thanksgiving, but don't go anywhere. Still have our crowd ultra and my rant before we wrap it up right here on, if you don't like that. All right, let's now get to our CrowdUltra Q&A. Just go to CrowdUltra.com, and maybe I'll answer your question on my next podcast. David asks, are you a fan of the Kings pursuing Levine, Siakam, and Ananobi? Well, David, my question is, if you're going to pursue players of that caliber, what are you willing to give up? They're not going to give them to you for free. I'm in favor and a fan of making the team better. All right, if you can make the team better with a trade, then yeah, go ahead and do it. I mean, look at what happens when the Kings traded Buddy Heald and Tyrese Halliburton to Indiana. The Kings overnight became a really good team and a playoff team, and it made De'Aaron Fox a much better player. So, yeah, I'm always willing to, you know, do a move if you think it makes your team better. Tim wants to know, what are your thoughts on the Jets planning on starting Tim Boyle over Zach Wilson against the Dolphins? Well, Tim, here's what I know about Zach Wilson. He can't play quarterback in the NFL well enough to be on the field. He's had multiple chances, and he's just not able to get the job done. So you have to try something else. And if the answer is Tim Boyle, if he's the next guy in line, then that's what you do. But I have no problem with it at all. Zach Wilson has had many, many opportunities. Dominic wants to know, are there any quarterbacks you think should scramble and run more often? No, Dominic. I think a quarterback needs to do what they do best. And I also feel, Dominic, that quarterbacks that run in the NFL normally get hurt. So I'm not a fan of quarterbacks running more. Scrambling and running are different. Scrambling is not the same as running. Okay, scrambling is what you do to get away from pressure. Running is running to get yardage. There's a big difference. Like, Fran Tarkington was arguably the best scrambling quarterback in NFL history, but he didn't run a lot, okay? There's a big difference. So do I want quarterbacks to run more often? No, Dominic, because in all likelihood, they'll get hurt. Colby wants to know, is De'Aaron Fox the most important player to a team in the NBA? I talked about this yesterday. I don't think he's the most important player to a team in the NBA, but I don't think there's a player more important to their team than De'Aaron Fox is to Sacramento. In other words, you can make that case for multiple players on teams around the league, but I don't think anyone is as valuable, or I should change that. I don't think anyone is more valuable to their team than De'Aaron Fox, but as valuable, yes. Again, Crowd Ultra. Just go to crowdultra.com. Maybe I'll answer your question on my next podcast. It's time for Grant's Rant. And today's rant is brought to you by Bennett's Westside Grill, one of three locations. I hope that you are going to be going to one of their three locations for your Thanksgiving meal. If not, uh, check out Bennett'sRestaurants.com and see uh, what their availability is 
it is a phenomenal option for your Thanksgiving. Prime seafood and steak at Bennett's, they are awesome. That's Bennett's Westside Grill. It is their newest of their three restaurants. Again, at the Blue Oaks Town Center in Rockland. Just go to Bennett'sRestaurants.com. Last night, the Philadelphia Eagles came from behind to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And after the game, I'm reading comments about missed calls, right, by the officials hurting the Chiefs. Let me tell you something. The Chiefs were at home, all right? They had a pass that should have been caught for a touchdown, okay, that would have given the Kansas City Chiefs a win, all right? Plain and simple. Don't be talking to me about the officiating. You had an opportunity. You had an opportunity to win the freaking game, all right? Don't blame the officials because you think that they missed, okay? You think that they missed a full start offsides call. Really? That's what you're going to put the game on? You're not really going there, are you? You're going to blame the officials because you thought that they got it wrong on that one call? Hello? I don't think so. How about Marquez Valdez-Scantling catching a perfectly thrown ball by Patrick Mahomes? Are you blaming that on the officials? How about Justin Watson catching the fourth down pass that was perfectly thrown? All right? Are you blaming that on the officials? Stop it already. All right? The Eagles are 9-1 and one for a reason. I can't wait for the Niners game in two weeks. That is going to be a flat-out dandy. And that is my rant for today. That's my podcast for today. Once again, have yourself a fabulous and happy Thanksgiving. I appreciate your support. Thank you so much and so long, everybody. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.